random thoughts for Valentine's Day 2004. Today's a holiday invented by greeting card companies to make people feel like the greatest movie of all time. Today on the show, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. It's the greatest movie podcast. It's the greatest movie podcast. It's the greatest movie podcast. It's the greatest movie. Come on and hear me now. Greatest movie podcast. It's the greatest movie podcast. Welcome, everybody, to the Greatest Movie of All Time podcast, the show in which I, your co-host, ravishing Rick Barrasso. Ooh, see, you catch me off guard with these. It's not fair. I'm just Rex Smith today, but maybe at the end of it, I'll have a cool name. Well, we'll find out. But on this podcast, we are going to watch, not this episode, but through the life of the podcast, we are going to watch every single movie ever made, and we are going to help decide which is the greatest of them all. How are you doing today, Derek? I'm doing pretty excellent. Uh, I don't know if, if the fans know, you know, when we record episodes and whatnot, but uh, I feel pretty good. I'm, I'm not working today, and uh, that, that feels good. That's good, yeah. It's a, it's a holiday. We had some, uh, some time to record here and talk about movies, and we've got a fun one today, but before we get to that, well, I don't know if fun's the right word, but we have a good <laughs> one today. <laughs> But let's talk about last week first. Uh, we actually had my brother, Anthony Barrasso, on the show, and we had a very fun discussion about 500 Days of Summer. You can check that one out in our archives on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever fine podcasts are found. And you can get in touch with us on social media. We're the Greatest Movie of All Time podcast on Facebook, at Great Moviecast on Twitter, at Rick and Rec on Instagram. And you can always email us at greatestmoviepod at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. And of course, as our old friend Bruce Wayne, a.k.a. the Batman, would say, tell your friends about us. Oh, yeah. This week, however, we had a Rick's pick, and I have chosen Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. It's one of the, in, I mean, spoilers, it's one of the best movies of the 21st century, in my opinion. Uh, it's released in 2004. It's got an 8.3 on IMDb, 93% on Rotten Tomatoes, and 89% on Metacritic. You get Jim Carrey as Joel, Kate Winslet as Clementine, Tom Wilkinson as Howard, and Kirsten Dunst as Mary. Uh, it's directed by Michelle Gondry and written by the great Charlie Kaufman. Derek, when did you first see Eternal Sunshine on the Spotless Mind? You know, I don't remember when I saw this movie. Um... I want to say I definitely saw it with Gia, my wife. You know what? Actually, maybe that's wrong because this came out so long ago that I don't think it took me four or five years to see it. 2004. Yeah, I don't remember when I saw it. I remember liking it. Jim Carrey just, I remember seeing this and being like, wow, this is not like anything I've seen with Jim Carrey in it. And that, and that's, that in itself made me like the movie a lot. But yeah, I can't recall. How about, how about you? Do you recall when you saw this? I remember renting it shortly after it came out. It was sort of right at the you know, first year or two of me being so into movies and really tracking stuff down other than the very, very popular stuff. And I mean, not that this movie was unpopular, it just wasn't a massive blockbuster. 
I think I rented it probably. I didn't, I didn't see it in theaters. I, I don't think I would have you know, had anyone to, to go with to, to, that would want to see this movie with me at right, that time. Right. But I, I, I rented it. And I mean, I've, I've always been, you know, a huge Jim Carrey fan since his comedies in the nineties. And it just looked interesting and looked like something I want to check out. So I, so I rented it and just absolutely fell in love with it. It's, it's, to this day, one of my favorite movies, but let's, uh, let's talk about it. And we do that each week when Derek, you put 30 seconds on the clock and I describe the events such as they are of eternal sunshine and the spotless mind, but you don't use a stopwatch like a normal person. Do you Derek? No, I'm not a normal person. That's right. How do you measure time? I pick a song on Spotify and I wait until 30 seconds is up and then I let Rick know. All right. What song are you using this week? All right. I'm going to choose Lovely Day by Bill Withers. All right. Count me down. Here we go. Three, two, one. Upon discovering that his ex-girlfriend Clementine has had him erased from her memory, Joel undergoes the same procedure. He regrets his decision in the process and attempts to outwit the company implementing it in his own mind. He fails, but a jilted lover and employee of the creator of the process informs the two of them of the procedure. We find that what we thought was their first meeting at the beginning of the movie was them meeting after the process had occurred. All right, only 22 seconds. Nice job. All right. I am to the point, if anything, if, if nothing else, when it comes to these. Yeah. But I think that pretty much covers it. But what we, what we miss and we'll, you know, in that kind of dry description of the movie is the, I guess quirky is the word for it, but you're, you're going through Joel, Jim Carrey's memories and it's the logic of being inside someone's head makes it really something to watch. Yeah. And you know, it's funny. We, so we have this category of choosing three scenes, uh, favorite scenes, but this movie feels like a scrapbook yes. of, of moments. So it was definitely hard to capture scenes. Cause I, I liked a lot of moments in this, but you know, here we are. The, the absolute greatest moment is, well, we'll get to it. It's uh, it's in my, it's in my countdown. It's an, it's part of one of the scenes in my countdown, but yes, there's, there is one moment that I think is probably the best acting moment of Jim Carrey's career, which says a ton because I'm a huge Jim Carrey fan, mm-hmm. but we'll, we'll get to it. But let's, let's talk about what we like the most, our, our favorite, our three favorite scenes here. So let's, let's start Derek. What is your third favorite scene? All right. So, so like, you know, like I said, th- this, this might not be a scene specifically a whole scene, but this is a fragment of mm-hmm. the movie that I just could not, not mention. So I guess my third favorite moment slash scene is when Joel is doing like, it's earlier in the movie when he's doing some investigating, like he knows something's up. Yeah. He knows something, something's wrong. And he's confronting the boy, the new boyfriend of Clementine, Patrick, but he doesn't know it's Patrick yet. And he's trying to see who it is, but you can't see his face. Yeah. He keeps turning his body around and his face is not appearing. And I thought that was such a cool moment to capture on screen. It was just really cool to see, uh, you know, I've never seen that in a movie before, at least nothing that I can recall right now, but uh, I thought it was really neat. And I love, I mean, it, it may work better now for someone who hasn't seen the movie yet, but this was Elijah Wood in the absolute thick of Lord of the Rings, like mm-hmm. the height of Lord of the Rings popularity. 
So you kind of know, I mean, you at the time you're watching it, oh, okay, it's Frodo. But I, I do love the part, especially when, when he's in the memory, and this is a bit later on, when he's turning him around, but he's only seen the back of his head, so he just keeps this weird thing. He just keeps turning around and seeing just the back of his head. Yeah, that's what I'm referring to. Yeah, yeah, specifically. Yeah, yeah. like he's it's really cool. Yeah, and he's just like, he's, he just doesn't have the face because it's just his memory. Yeah, Elijah Wood's um, very interesting in this movie. A lot of people think he's like this little pretty boy who does the same movies. I've seen him in a lot of weird movies, like yeah. Maniac. Like he's in a yes, movie called yeah, Maniac. Yeah. Like he's in, he plays Kevin in that movie, uh, Sin City. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's, a, he's a little bit more versatile than people think he is. Yeah, it, I mean, especially at, at this point, because he's just, I mean, he's Lord of the, in Lord of the Rings just out of being kind of a child actor. Right. And he's, Frodo is obviously this, you know, sort of, you know, white meat baby face character. And it, it looks it, like meat's back on the menu, boys. Yeah. And he's in this, he's just an absolute scumbag. I think honestly, like maybe other than Mark Ruffalo, everyone who works for that, for that company is a scumbag to one level or another. Yeah. It's yeah. I'd say so. It's well, yeah, we'll get to that in a minute. Yeah, for sure. So my third favorite scene is it's the last memory of Clementine being erased from Joel's head. And they're in this house on the beach. They've broken into it. And you're you're sort of confused because you think you've seen their first meeting at the beginning of the relationship, the beginning of the movie. Right. Right, and it's like, well, what is what is this? Is his memory wrong? Am I imagining things? Mm-hmm. But then you get into it, and when he goes to leave, and just the absolute regret of Joel and how that's displayed on screen, and he's just like, yeah, I really wish I would have stayed. Right, and he just so wants to take back that one mistake, and maybe, maybe for him if this one thing would have been different, maybe the whole relationship would have been different. Maybe I wouldn't be here right now. And you see the house is literally falling down around them. His memory is disappearing. And I love as he's losing this memory, everything around it is just black. And it's just the ocean. The, the, the ocean in winter is such a, such a strange place to be. Yeah. Because it's so huge and the darkness and emptiness of just deleting this person is so huge around them. And not only is he losing his last chance to correct this mistake, Joel, he's not even going to be able to apologize for it. It's Clem, but it's not Clem. Mm-hmm. And you know, even if he gets over this, it's all for naught because of the decision he's made to take this moment away from himself and, it's it's heartbreaking and and what now exactly yeah and we might as well just keep talking about it because this this is my uh, silver or my my second scene and um yeah you're right you hit all the points that i that i that i wrote down it's so heartbreaking it's just it's devastating the one the the lines that get me to are like this is it it's almost gone what do we do and the other says enjoy it yeah um you know it's 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 so symbolic of like everything just falling apart and, and you know, that, that, that house coming. And like you said, it's so, it's so interesting because while you're watching it, you're like, am, did I miss something? Yeah. Like, it, 
I was like, what did I do wrong? Like during the scene, like I feel like I'm wrong. You know, I like, I like. He goes into the beginning of the the story of them actually first meeting, or as far as we know, because who knows if they've had the procedure before. But the the story we see, and they cut away just in a second. Like he starts the story. He's like, tell me how you first met. Well, I was going to a party on the beach. And it cuts to something else quickly. And you're like, wait, no, what? What did I just see? And then you forget it because you're on, you know, with the story. When you come back and you're, you're sort of like, wow, this, this magic trick they played on us. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's, it's a great scene all around. It's, it's acted well. It's directed well. Uh, it's written well. It's just an all around fantastic scene. Um, and I, 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 I suffered during this movie, this watch. Uh, I think it's because we picked these Valentines, you know. We oh my these, God! Well, I, you know, because yeah. they have a lot of fine qualities and they have a lot of funny, positive moments. But and and in this movie specifically, I feel like a lot of the emotion, the the sad emotion, is is overpowering. And so I was sitting there like kind of glum or gloomy. Yeah, it was. I mean, I watched these two movies like pretty much a day apart from each other, and we had. I mean. We watched basically three movies in a row, starting with 500 Days of Summer, this and her, where it's just like progressively like more and more miserable. And it's just like, ugh. Yeah, it's the, the, trilogy, the trilogy of sadness. The trilogy of breakup sadness. On, on, and I mean, we're recording these in, in February in, you know, New England. And it's just like, ugh, gray and gross and cold. And it's just, it's, I don't know why we did this to ourselves, but I, I liked all three <laughs> movies. So my number two actually is it's, it's when Howard's wife arrives at the, at Joel's house, Joel is out and they've called in Howard, who is the creator of the procedure because Joel is hiding memories and other memories. And he's the only one that can figure it out. But Mary played by Kirsten Dunst comes on to him and they start kissing Mark Ruffalo, who plays uh, Mary's, boyfriend is watching through the window and Howard's wife screeches up like smacks Mark Ruffalo and they start yelling at each other you know if you saw your spouse making out with a, a much younger person but it really when Kirsten Dunst comes out and says oh no it wasn't me it was you know I or it wasn't him I I basically threw myself at him and Howard's wife just says, just tell her, just tell the girl, don't be a monster. Right. And it's just how these, it, it comes to a head in that moment. Not only do we see how bad it is for Joel, but that's just one person. We see how bad this thing would be for society and everyone and right. what it would do to people's lives. And it's so well acted by by everyone in the scene but you know especially by tom wilkinson who is like yeah you know it's the thing is like he's he's been caught with his hand you know in the cookie jar by everyone and he's just like i'm just gonna i'm just gonna go i'm gonna go move on and again it's like kirsten dunce mary is left with that feeling of like what now like what could i possibly how can i live with this Right. And, and, you know, I can't take credit for this because I think G is the one who noticed this while watching the movie. Uh, Tom Wilkinson's wife 
she she shows up she sees what happens she starts hitting stan mark ruffalo's character like slapping him and gia yeah. was like i wonder if she thought that stan called him to, to sort of like lie about it not it wasn't for the the reason that he made it out she, to be she hits him immediate like in that immediate moment because he beeped the the horn to like uh, to let him know but that raises a great question mark ruffalo tells you know stan tells mary he didn't know about it the first time but i don't know that his behavior in that moment matches his words you know right it's a very it's a very odd situation especially because stan seems to love mary yeah they, they he's allowing sex. he's, al- he's yeah. allowing this to happen because it makes her happy he's it's very confusing well it's and i wonder if it's how much of it is like a, a I mean, it's it's so open to interpretation. Is it that they just so almost like a, a cult status look at at Howard as as like their leader because she's Mary especially is just like stars in her eyes, all in as soon as he walks into the room. Right. And does does he have those same kind of like not like romantic feelings, but does he have that same respect? So, well, if he wants to make out with my girl, so be. Who am I to say this great man? But. It, it almost his reaction to them kissing because he sees them through the window is almost of like resignation you know it's just like right. yeah of course of course this happened and then he tries to bail them out it's it's a weird moment i'd love to talk to people involved with the film to get an answer on that yeah it's definitely one of those big questions for me like what was this about so what is your number one scene so I guess my number one scene might be considered one of the most devastating in the movie. Um, I, I really love the ending yeah. where, you know, um, I, I, Jim Carrey, I just want you to wait in the hallway, you know, and, and yeah. they agree to stay, they, they agree to try their relationship again, knowing they're going to resent each other in the future. Yeah. And it's such an interesting thing to think about. If you, if you, you know, if you knew how or, or, or if your relationship ends and you knew it ended badly and would you attempt it, would you do it again just because of the steps leading up to it? It's just so interesting. It's, and it's just so well acted, the scene that the, both of them are just powerhouses in this they're, movie. They're, oh my God. They're, Kate Winslet is so great. So, so great in this movie. And that's my number one as well. And I want to focus in, this is the, the moment I mentioned the scene after Kate Winslet says, you know, we're going to get sick of each other and this is going to be that. And it's, it's such a great part. And Jim Carrey says, okay. Yeah. That line reading is fucking devastating and happy and hopeful. And there's so much in that one word. And yeah, it just, it's to me, it's, it's just, the scene is just beautiful because you can you can look at the the scene directly after that where it's edited where it's them doing the same thing over and over again. You can choose to look at that as they're going to keep going around in the circle and erasing each other and doing it over and over again. There's a deleted scene that says that's what they do basically until they die. Mm-hmm. But it being so open to an interpretation here where maybe this is the time where they just accept each other's flaws. Maybe they don't stay together for the long run. Maybe they do drive each other crazy. And that's just how these two are meant to be. But 
I I'd like to think they're getting off the merry-go-round on this one. Right. And who knows if, if this happens again and again and again and again, and how many times it's happened in the past. It's, it's, it, I don't know. It's strange. It's strange. This, this movie is, it's, it's everything you want it to be, but it's, it's like, it's like, it's one of those movies you have to see more than once to really capture all the nuances of the film. Yeah. And it's, I, I think it's so, it's so rewards. That's, it's a great point. It's so rewards multiple viewings where you can look at it from a different perspective and it really kind of asks questions of how you look at love and life and relationships that only you can answer for yourself. And I think this is, this is one of the the few movies that really truly does that in in a way that speaks to me. You know, those are our favorite scenes in the movie. We get to have least favorite part as well. No movie is perfect. What's your least favorite part of the movie? I struggled with this. I really did. Str- I just struggled. Um, but I did come up with something. Yeah. And I did mention this during the movie. I mentioned this because I just didn't feel like, I didn't feel like it was needed. I felt like it was just thrown in there and I wish it hadn't been. And it's just my personal preference. Yeah. But I didn't feel like it was needed that Joel had like a previous relationship or like was involved with somebody else while with meeting Clementine. I just, I just felt like, it didn't it didn't add anything to the story for me personally. I felt like, okay, well now he's sort of cheating on her, even though he's not really, he kind of like backs up and he's like, well, we're not, I guess we're in a thing, but not really. And I was like, why did they make, because I think Jim Carrey's character, Joel is so likable. I, I, I feel for him. I, mm-hmm. I just like the way he, and then they throw in the thing, well, oh, he's involved with somebody else or in this. And I'm like, I didn't need that. I, I wish they hadn't done it. And that's just me. Yeah. I, I think with, with that, this is similar to what we talked about last week with Tom and 500 days of summer, by the way, Tom would definitely get the procedure done to erase summer. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. He'd be, he'd be, he'd jump in feet, both feet in. Uh, but I, I think similar to that is we are not only is it, you know, we're seeing the, you know, our main character's perspective through the lens of the camera and just how stories work. We're literally just in Jim Carrey's head. He would have had to have done something that Clementine would want to erase. Maybe if we saw her erasing him, maybe he's in their fight that ends their relationship. Maybe he's screaming, you know? Maybe he's he's not quite what he thinks he is in his own head. Right, right. I, I get that. So, you know, maybe he's more a little bit of a scumbag that he's... Yeah, he's, we, again, we don't see, he, he does kind of say, well, I'm kind of with this girl, maybe not, I don't know, I was living with her, but it's just, uh, maybe it's, they're, they're done, and he just doesn't want to accept it. You, you never know, you never know. My least favorite part of the movie, there's a couple of moments in here, product of its time, even though 2004 in my head is not that long ago, even, that, even though it's fucking 17 years ago. That is so weird. Yeah, I hate myself, but there's some real like casual homophobia in this movie. There's, there's two moments where Clementine calls Joel the F word in during a fight. And then in that moment where, you know, it's their meeting for the first time. And uh, Joel says, yeah, I'm kind of living with someone. And Clementine goes, Oh, guy or girl. And Jim Carrey goes like, Whoa, Hey girl. What are you talking about? Like, right, right. It's like, I was like, yeah, that didn't really leave a great taste in my mouth. 
Yeah, it, it, that was a strange choice. I don't yeah. know. I, agree I think with that you. that was just. I, I think at at the time, just society was different, and you know, I don't want to excuse it by any means, but I mean, we're gonna watch all these movies. We're gonna run into that stuff. Oh, you know? sure. So, but it's just it it seemed out of place to me. So yeah, I feel that for sure. Yep. So we've gone over our least favorite, our, our favorite parts in the movie, our least favorite, and now we get to medals and we're going to give it a bronze silver and gold medal to the people who have you know, benefited from or impacted the movie the most in our opinion so let's start with you derek who's your bronze medal winner i got a tie here i went with Mich- uh, i'm seeing this right michelle gondry and charlie kaufman the writer yep. i uh, i was looking trying to figure out like who did what type thing i know that Michelle Gondry's the director, and he and he he had the idea and and wrote the story, but Charlie Kaufman made the screenplay. Yeah, and so I feel like they they kind of share the power, and they sh- they shared a lot of the creativity because I think that the script was written the way it was. I've never seen the script on paper or anything, but I, I can see that Michelle Gondry's direction it made it made for this like scrapbook fragment type movie, and I think it worked yeah. really well with the story. It just it it, it, it was something unlike I've ever seen before because things were, you know, it's not like memento where we start from the very, very end and go to the beginning, but it's like frag. It's like 500 days of summer. But before that, yeah, it was like, you know, fragments in different times. So you're like, what time are we in right now? When did this scene happen? What it was one of the first times I had seen that and been like, wow, this is actually a really cool concept. So um, the two of them together did a great job and they, they get my bronze. Absolutely. So my bronze, I went with Kate Winslet and you know, it's, it's interesting that other than for just a few scenes in the movie, we're seeing her literally through Joel's point of view. But she's also such a fully realized character. She, she calls out something that we talked about with, with Summer last week and, and Tom last week is not by name because I don't know if the phrase even existed yet. But basically, it's like, I'm not going to be your manic pixie dream girl. Like, I have my own problems to deal with. I'm my own right. person. Mm-hmm. And I know you're going to try to do that. And Joel, in, in his memory, Joel is kind of speaking to himself like, wow, you're absolutely right. And it's like, okay, like this, this girl is great. And she's, Kate Winslet is so good in everything. And she's, yeah, probably most, her most well-known role is Titanic, but this is such a different character. And it's, I mean, I can't say she gets nominated for an Oscar. Uh, for this as well but she's she's just excellent in this movie yeah i might as well keep talking about her because yep. she's my she's my silver and i love when we do this we do this a lot where we can connect yep. from the last yep. uh but yeah she she's great and one of the things i like doing and i'm pretty sure she's english in real life yeah and i like watching english actors and actresses try to do american accents and i try to find a spot in the movie where they don't do it well and yeah. it's just absolutely not there she's 100 percent perfect spotless she's spotless yeah. spotless yeah. uh and even like you know an actress like emma watson like sometimes when she's playing an american i'm like eh, i notice yeah. a little bit of an english but kate winslet she is spot on and like you said, she reminds me of Summer from you know, the Clever New Summer of like that girl who just, just drives you nuts. Like she just has that look about her. She She's that free, you know, spirited woman who just wants to do what she wants to do in a lot of ways. Although I feel like there's a lot of, I mean, I, I, we're comparing these two movies back to back just because we yeah. did it. But, but she just like has so many more nice moments with Joel. I feel like uh, besides what we see in the other movie, we don't see as many. And again, we, we had this discussion of like, this could have been just the perception of said 
person. Do you know, do you know what I want to, before I forget, because this, this, this comment really it has nowhere for me to logically put it. But as I was watching this movie, I was actually, I was reminded of, of all movies, Goodwill Hunting. And mm -hmm. the scene where Robin Williams is describing his relationship with his wife. And he has like, you know, the story about she farts in the bed and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. And he goes, oh, man, that's, that's the good stuff. <laughs> you know, that's the, like, that's the, you know, you, you can talk about all these great, but like, that's the stuff you miss the most. And that's what I, the scene where, and we'll, we'll go into, to, I guess, my silver here as well, because it's Jim Carrey. Um, the scene where Jim Carrey, they're in bed and he's like, just don't take this one from me don't like just just keep, let me keep this one just take everything else let me just have this and i was like oh like he's he's losing the good stuff you know he's he's erasing that and those are the moments in a relationship you know that's exactly what yeah, it says in goodwill hunts i was like that's a good stuff that's what you know there's little moments between the two of you and you know that's not just lip service you know it's not just something that we're just yeah it sounds I mean, that's the truth yeah and i, I I'm, I'm sure we can both agree on those it's the little yeah. tiny moments that nobody discusses about yeah. relationships those are the th those are the moments so i'm glad they put that in there because there's a lot of truth behind yeah. it yeah yeah i mean you can you can talk about you know all these you know the the first dates and like the you know how would you propose and all this like those huge moments and those are great but it's the stuff in between. And that's, that's the stuff when he starts losing that. And that's when Joel realizes that it's like just ripping your guts out for him. And it's, it's tough, but I mean, Jim Carrey's my silver medal. And this was absolutely fucking razor thin silver and gold. But this I feel is the movie he had been working up to for years because he, he made his like, I mean, those, those mid early mid nineties comedies, that's where he kind of became this massive star. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Ace Ventura and, and the mask and, and, um, Dumb you know, and all, all Dumb and Dumber, all of those. And he kind of put his foot in the water a little bit with before this, he had the Truman show, which is a great performance, but it's still kind of a, it's, that's still kind of a comedy. Yeah. You know, there's still very dramatic moments, but this, but he's still kind of like, oh, Jim Carrey, of course. He's, uh, you know, in case I don't see it, good after. Like, he, he's still that. And, that. And, he, and he had Man on the Moon after that, where he plays Andy Kaufman, which is another excellent performance. But he's still like, oh, it's Jim Carrey playing another comedian. Right. Despite the fact that that's a movie almost as melancholy as this one. Yeah. But this is the one where he puts those comedies behind him. And I think becomes a legitimate leading man after this mm -hmm. because he's, I mean, he gets you know, into some weird shit in, in his life after this. But I, I think after, after this movie, I don't question whatever role he's in. I don't see Ace Ventura in this. I see Jim Carrey. Yeah. And we might as well keep talking. Yeah. Uh, again, because Jim Carrey for this one got my gold. And I think a lot of it has to do with seeing him in this type of role for the first time and seeing his versatility and his range. And even just, just moments of seeing Jim Carrey not being a wacko is something refreshing. And in a good way, because we see Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey puts everything he has in his body into his performances. Yeah. He is literally like a, um, a piece of rubber or an elastic. And this was like very, he just, I don't know. He's such a human in this. He's just a regular person. The, the character can... of Joel is so restrained. 
So when he has those huge moments of desperation or despair, it's like, okay, now he gets to like flex his muscles as an actor, Jim Carrey. Yeah, and, and, and it's, it's so believable. You know, you see movies of comedians trying to be serious and it, sometimes it just kind of feels like, all right, you know, they, they did their best, but the, the, these guys are meant for comedy. And Jim Carrey, let's face it, he's the, one of the biggest comedy actors of all time. Yeah. And he, he kills it. He kills it, you know? And, and that was the biggest surprise to me in this movie. And, and it's, I don't know if at the time it, it hit me as much, but even watching this now, I'm like, this is the guy who's in a tutu and crazy hair and walking around. He's like bending over and tucking out of his butt. You know? out of his butt. You know, and this guy... Yeah. Eight years before this, you know? And then you think like, you know what? Like, why wouldn't Jim Carrey be able to do this? Because he is yeah. a person. And you know, you, you've heard all these stories of like people like Jim Carrey and especially Robin Williams were like, they're always on, but when they're not, they're depressed yeah. and they're sad and they're on drugs. I don't know if Jim, specifically Jim Carrey, but like, I know like that's sad. That's really sad for some comedians. So, you know, of course you like, yeah, of course Jim Carrey can play this because he's a person. You need yeah. to be per- you're human before, you know, but yeah, he's, he's incredible in this. And um, yeah, he's my gold. If you haven't seen it, I would track down. Have you seen the show kidding is on Showtime? No, I don't think so. I think I heard of it, but I haven't seen it. Yeah. So it's actually directed a lot of the episodes by Michelle Gondry and Jim Carrey plays a sort of Mr. Rogers esque TV host who is dealing with a personal tragedy and he's mm-hmm. so fucking excellent in it. And it's just, it's a great show. It just, it's two seasons. It tells a complete story. I really recommend checking it out for, for you and for, for our listeners out there if you haven't seen it. But I'm going to jump to my gold now. And my gold is actually the same as your bronze. It is a tie between Charlie Kaufman and Michelle Gondry. And I hate doing ties. I really do. But I think this movie doesn't exist in the way it does without the both of them intersecting yes how they do because charlie kaufman is an absolute genius first of all but his tendencies go towards ripping your soul out and just he's so good at at just communicating misery and you know, negative aspects of, right. of life. If, if you look at like being John Malkovich, which he wrote and, um, you know, adaptation, which, you know, Nicholas Cage is great in. And because he's Nicholas Cage, he makes it less miserable, but mm-hmm. it, and especially, I don't know if you've seen Synecdoche, New York. No. <sighs> Watch it, but you're going to like hate yourself for a week after watching it. <laughs> it's, oh, I, I would try to describe what it's about, but it just, it, 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 I wouldn't do it justice. It's he's like Philip Seymour Hoffman is the, is the main character. And like, it's, uh, it'll, it'll absolutely wreck you, but uh, check it out. Yeah, everything, yeah. everything, everything Hoffman's in kind of gets me in a little, in, in yeah. some sort of way. Yeah. That'll, that'll, it's so worth seeing, but you'll have to like, it's just like, I just don't want to watch movies for the rest of my life after watching this movie because it's, it's like destroyed me. But uh, yeah, and, and Michelle Gondry is the absolute king of like fun, quirky, like indie 2000s imagery. And those two came together at the absolute perfect moment in their careers and just created 
something that you know we you know you can you can kind of tell just the 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 way the movie works you know where our energy level in this episode is is a little bit different i feel like something from the other ones because just the subject matter at hand and not that that's a bad thing but it's a like it's a fun movie to watch in a lot of ways because it's just so well constructed and they just they i think though no other two people on the planet could have created something quite like this yeah agreed it's yeah, they, I did the same thing. Like they, they, you need yeah. you need both of them in there. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, let's let's go to recasting here, and I'll I'll, I'll go first on this one. So I I did uh, if I were making the movie today, class uh, to recast Clem and Joel, and I really struggled actually with Clementine because honestly. I just have Kate Winslet do it again, if all things being being equal, because she can still she could still do that same role, right? Um, but I I wanted to go because Clem you know Clementine's kind of like a you know, like a tough chick, you know she can, and and I need to get somebody likable who can do that. Yep. Because Clementine is the character I would never want to be in a relationship with her, but I definitely feel like I'd be friends with her. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, sure. Yeah. She's a yeah. So I went with someone who can kind of do something similar. It was Lizzie Kaplan. Okay. Let me, let me, uh, I don't know if I know her. You would, you'd know her from probably her most famous role. She's much younger, but she's in Mean Girls. Oh yeah. I definitely know her. Yep. I've seen her in a bunch of things. Yeah. Cause she, I think she's like, she's striking. So if you, you know, if Joel sees her on the train or in Barnes and Noble, you don't even necessarily have to like be like, Oh, it's cause I changed my hair. You can be like, very you very much believe like joel like i feel like i would i would remember you uh if i saw you at barnes and noble but yeah i think you're i think you're a hundred percent spot on with her yeah that was that was tough but i eventually eventually got to it so joel i wanted to go with another guy who's primarily known as being a comedian and but i know is a great actor and can do it Mm -hmm. and he's also like kind of weirdly tall and lanky and that's bill Hader. you know that's funny you say that because I, I i have seen him recently in some things where i was like wow he he's really really versatile he's incredible i think he's one of we're gonna look back on it and be like oh he's like one of the best actors going yeah i think we, we talked about this before because i remember yeah. i think i i recommended him, i recommended him for like frankenfurter or something yeah but i, I mean he's, he's a guy who could do anything Right, but he, he could also. I think he can. He can bring that kind of gloom, but also likability. Yep. And I could. I could see him sort of nailing, like, panicking at losing these memories. Mm-hmm. If you haven't seen Barry, Barry, track it down. He's he's excellent. So, yeah, I saw. Yeah, there was a movie I saw him in. Um, I forget what it was called. Something about bones. Something with bones in the name. And he plays a homosexual man, and he has a really close relationship with his sister, played by Kristen Wiig. And they're both incredible, and it's such a depressing movie. And they're both, like, suicidal. It's, and it just shows the range of, of both of those actors. But, um, yeah, I, I, yeah that, that's great. I agree with you. I'm glad you said that about um, uh, Kaplan, because she, she, I didn't have one for, for replacing Kate Winslet as Clementine. I couldn't think of anybody who could do it. 
in yeah. my head. So if I could, if I can go, yeah, I, that one is perfect. The only one I, I recasted it and I sat here and I was thinking and thinking and thinking and I went a different direction. I actually went with an actor who over the years I found to be very versatile and want to see him keep doing different things. Every time I see him in a movie, he seems to do something else. And I'm not talking about Avengers because that's a whole different thing. Superhero movies to me are just, they're not the same as dramatic movies. They're just, they're just in a different thing for me for some reason. But I thought of Jeremy Renner. Uh, I saw this, I saw him in, I saw him in, um, I think it was just called Dahmer yeah. or something. And he was, um, I don't know if you saw that movie or not, but he, yeah. he's very, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm trying hard to like make him sound redeemable as playing Jeffrey Dahmer because Jeffrey Dahmer is sure. also an awful person, but he just had this like quietness about him. He had this like depression about him. And I could just see Jeremy Renner with like the same hairstyle as Jim Carrey in the movie and just being this like kind of depressing oaf who just meets this girl and drives him crazy. I could just see, I, I was picking different actors who I could see walking those scenes and, and blocking those scenes. And I was like, I, I feel like I could, I like to take a chance on somebody like Jeremy Renner because I think he has the range. So that, that was what I think. It'd be very different. I feel like he'd, I bring, think so. he'd bring a very kind of like, intense quality that 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 jim carrey didn't have oh yeah probably i just for some reason i was thinking him sitting down in like the the bus or the train and he's just moping with that mopey face with that hair i can almost see that but yeah i think you're right he would bring a different uh, aspect to it so uh that brings us to our twitter follow of the week and i'm gonna go with jim carrey and he's he's mostly checking uh checking out his twitter page he mostly displays his art which you actually see a lot of in this movie Mm-hmm. So, and I mean, he's uh, always, uh, let's say he's not shy about his political opinions either. So uh, if you feel like you may be uh, easily, you know, triggered or offended by, by that, first of all, why are you listening to this show? Yeah, but, fuck you. Yeah, go, go fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself go, go storm the Capitol, you piece of shit. Uh, <laughs> but, um, yeah, but. Take uh, a turn. Yeah. <laughs> Jim, if you're listening to this, I mean, be a guest on our podcast, please. No, you know he's against man. that. But if you if you're pro that, you're not gonna like his Twitter. Yeah, I right. would I would fucking love to have Jim Carrey talk about a movie that inspires him. He's a man of the people. Maybe he'll do it. Could be. I think that'd be fucking excellent. Uh, highlight of my life. Yep. <laughs> he's yeah. You're you're married. And it'd be the highlight of your life. <laughs> you know what I mean. It'd be pretty cool. It'd be pretty cool. <laughs> Let me backtrack a little bit. We're not going to delete. We're not going to delete it, it, but it'd be the highlight of my professional life. <laughs> I already apologized to Gia for our last episode. But what? Because I mentioned how, because we were talking about how Anthony had, like, oh no, Anthony's friend was like with three different Emilys. Yeah. And I brought up that I was with two different like Christines or whatever, or two of the same people. Yeah. And then I was like, I, I made a sentence that it was kind of like, hey, you know, even if the third one was like the girl in my dreams, like I, I still wouldn't do it. And but the way I worded it was weird. And I was like, just so you know, if you listen to it, I, I wasn't. She's like, just stop talking. I don't care. Like, I believe you. Like I'm just like, all right. Let's talk about, so, you know, not every movie can be the greatest movie of all time, but I think we contend that every movie does at least one thing better than any other. And uh, Derek, what do you think Eternal Sunshine does better than any other movie? This is going to be an absolute botch because I wrote a bunch of thoughts down and I still can't put it into words, like a sentence. It's so tough. Yeah. I, I, I guess. So. The way the brain works, the way, the ways, okay, so a human being goes and gets their brain erased or part of their brain erased from a person they were with. 
yet the two of them still have odd feelings around each other. Yeah. There's still something there that, that, that X factor, that something happened. And I don't know what it is. I don't know how to explain it, but I Just love that how sense memory that, that sense, be. that, that feeling, yeah. what, what is that? And I love that, especially at the end when there's just when they're getting so confused, and uh, it's I guess maybe it's deja vu, maybe it's another word, but I love the way this movie puts that feeling into film. It gives yeah. you that that. There's got to be a word for it in French or German that we don't know, <laughs> right? Je ne sais quoi. I, yeah, it's just something. But it's it, I think this movie does whatever the hell I'm talking about better than it in the movie. Yeah, it captures that feeling of kind of a connection to somebody you don't know right you know but for all intents and purposes so i think this movie is probably the best at capturing sort of dream logic mm-hmm. you're know, like th- you're not necessarily dream logic but like how things are perceived in dreams you know there's those scenes where like you're, they're walking down the street when they have this fight about whether or not clementine would be a good mother and just people's faces are just blank that they're walking by. Yeah, very, very, very interesting. Right, and it doesn't like bother any either of them. It's just right. like that's just what it is in the dream. And then they're talking to each other, and their their voices don't match up, and they're mm-hmm. kind of hearing some, you know, Elijah Wood and Mark Ruffalo talk outside of, or you know, Joel is hearing them talk outside of his dream, but his their words are being incorporated into the dream and like noises that he's seeing and, you know, just how not just that where things are just weird, but you just accept it because that's just the reality you're in at that moment. Yeah, definitely. Another movie that comes to mind that does this really well too would be like Inception. But I think that this movie does the, the, like the odd faces and the the, the no faces and things like that, or yeah, it, it does it, does a lot better, but yeah. For sure, I agree. So let's talk about the Oscars. This is nominated. So it wins Best Original Screenplay. Kate Winslet is nominated for Best Actress. No, so I wonder if another actress, like the one you mentioned, um, Ka- I forget her first name, Kaplan. Lizzie Kaplan, yeah. Lizzie Kaplan. I wonder if somebody like her, who's a lot less well-known, like Kate Winslet. I wonder if somebody like her gets the role, performs it just as well, if not better, and gets nominated. I feel like that doesn't happen. I feel like Kate Winslet is already sort of a shoe in because of her name and the things she's been in. Um, that she gets the nom because I feel like, like I said, I feel like normally a role like this isn't really big enough for the for the for the Oscars. But maybe for best a- yeah, I think she's she's just so good in it. Like you said, like there's you can't. If you look at that performance, you can't pick a hole in it at all. It's so good. Right, right. But the person who does win Best Actress is the main character of her movie. So um, we'll, we'll get to that in a moment. So let's go over the major categories. Does not win, does not get nominated for Best Picture. The Best Picture is won by Million Dollar Baby. Fuck that movie. I hate, it's my least favorite movie of all time. Tell us how you really feel. I hate uh, it. The other nominees are The Aviator, Finding Neverland, Ray, and Sideways. All right. Well, t- kind of a tough year, I guess. It's tough. Well, if, if, I, if, this, if this was, what, 2009 or whatever year they started this, doing more movies, that, this yeah, would definitely 10, be yeah. a year. 
I, I agree. I, I certainly agree. I think Sideways kind of took its like kind of indie movie aesthetic spot. I think the I think the Academy probably. I don't. I know the name. Just from a Sideways is a movie. It's got Paul Giamatti, and it's about he and his friend who is played by Thomas Hayden Church. But yes, they're going like through like the California wine country. And it's another movie kind of about, you know, a guy dealing with his divorce and mm-hmm. it's a great movie. I, I, I really, really enjoy that movie, but I, this is another one where if I were to knock one out, wait, which movie won again? Oh, maybe maybe maybe. Maybe. yeah. If I were to over, I'm surprised one, that one over Ray. Yeah. I think it was, well, we'll, we'll get to it when we get to another category, what I think happened, but. I mean, yeah. I mean, Jamie Foxx wins for Best Actor. Right, right. Obviously. And, yeah, and I think they were like, okay, well, he got that one. I Like, I think Million Dollar Baby, that was the... This is another year where I think, like, I would probably knock that one out. Million Dollar Baby? Yeah. Of the, of, do, you, do you dislike it at all? It's so... I feel that it's manipulative. It's such a left turn from where the movie was going. I honestly yeah. expected this like female version of Rocky in a lot of ways, but some differences I was, you know, this is going to be good. And you know, she's going to overcome all these things and then boom, the movie changes so fucking drastically and yeah. so different. It becomes a mope fest. And I just, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think that aspect of it is like, okay, well, how are we going to make you feel the feels? We're going to fucking break her neck. Yeah. Like, it's like, Oh, okay. Like that, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I I would probably make the case for Eternal Sunshine being the winner this year. But I can I'll, I'll listen to cases for for another one. What was the other movie we we did we hadn't mentioned yet or you mentioned it once? I'm the fifth one. Side side. What was so, the one besides Sideways? Uh, so it's um Million Dollar Baby, The Aviator, Finding Neverland, Ray and Sideways. Aviator and Finding Okay, Aviator, yeah, okay. I can see that being nominated Scorsese, DiCaprio, yeah. uh and then Finding Neverland I've never seen but I heard good things. Yeah. So I get, I get a, I mean, I don't, I, that would be, I mean, I, I would agree just because of my distaste you know, for, for, for million you dollar know, baby. I feel like million dollar baby is for people. Like I feel like 60 and up in at th- this year. So now fucking 80 and up uh, are like, yeah, this is, you know, this is, you know, Clint Eastwood. It's just like, okay, you know, it, it, the first the, the first three quarters of the movie, uplifting female boxing story about overcoming whatever life you grew up with, and then yeah. boom, euthanasia. It's right. like, what? This doesn't We're, need that. Like, I don't yeah, get it. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree with that completely. I would, I would knock that one out. I, I mean, so let's, I mean, we can, we can wait to name our, our official winner, but I think uh, Eternal Sunshine's a nominee. Okay. Uh, best Director. Clint Eastwood wins for Million Dollar Baby. Scorsese's nominated for The Aviator. Taylor Hackford for Ray. Alexander Payne for Sideways. And Mike Lee for Vera Drake, which I have not seen. So, Michelle Gondry, I think, does something in this movie that nobody else could do. And yeah. I think, you know, yeah. even... I. I hate to I hate to shoot a million dollar baby because it's obviously it was like the darling it was the million dollar baby of this year, but I, like, I mean I, I don't think that I mean it's fine it's just fine it it's is just fine. okay it's okay it's all right 
you know, but I haven't seen the other one that you mentioned that we hadn't heard. Maybe, yeah. maybe the director, I guess, I don't know, Clint Eastwood, whatever. And I hate to say like, all right, Scorsese, let's knock him out. But I mean, yeah, I mean is the, is the, yeah, I mean. Well, the thing is I have a lot less problems with the aviator than I do with million dollar baby. Yeah, I agree. I, I would agree with that. Is Ray a particularly well-directed movie or is it just like we like the movie? So here's. I mean, I, I do like, like the, the sequences in, in Ray. I do like sequences where okay. they, keep going, they keep going back when he was a kid and then like the whole thing with his brother in the pool. Like that sure. stuff's sad. But the, I, I'd say like when I watched that movie, I remember it being like pieced together well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess I guess I'd leave Clint Eastwood in there just, just to be a nom. Um, I'd probably take out the one that I don't know for this specifically. Yeah. All right. Sorry. Sorry, Mike Lee. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll cover as we as we will with every uh, every movie ever made. We'll cover that movie eventually. And we'll, oh, we'll get to you, Mike. We'll, we'll get we'll get back to it. Best actor is won by Jamie Foxx, says Ray Charles. Mm-hmm. Yep. Other nominees: Don Cheadle in Hotel Rwanda, Johnny Depp in Finding Neverland, Leonardo DiCaprio in The Aviator, and Clint Eastwood in Million Dollar Baby. Fuck Clint Eastwood, best director, I, best actor. He's yeah. an old guy who just says some words. Yeah, and I mean, this is before he got super political, but I, I do wonder, it's not that far off, so I do wonder if there's a certain element of the Academy that's like, this is our guy. Right. Yeah, we're just going to we're just gonna have, have him in there. And like we talked about, we, I think Jim Carrey's performance is brilliant. Yeah, honestly, just from what you said, I think that I would take, I would take um, Clint Eastwood out and put Jim Carrey in his spot. Yeah, let's do it. Let's, let's hold off on saying he'd win over Jamie Foxx, right. but... Um, yeah, that we'll, we'll talk about that in our Ray episode, but event, which we'll eventually get to. So, best actress for Kate Winslet is nominated. It's won by Hilary Swank in Million Dollar Baby. Yeah. Yep. Uh, other nominees are Annette Benning in Being Julia, Catalina Sandino in Maria Full of Grace, and Imelda Staunton in Vera Drake. So, other than Million Dollar Baby and Eternal Sunshine. I've not seen any of the other ones. Mm-hmm. So let's let's sort of talk that out. Well, I mean, I haven't so like, yeah, I have never I haven't seen those movies either. But I, I do like Annette Benning. I think she's good. Act, yeah. a good actress. Um, I don't agree. All I can say is that I don't. I don't actually have a problem with Hilary Swank in Million Dollar Baby. I think she does a fine job. I think she does a really good job. You know, she does. Yeah, it's the whole, it's the script. I think it's is my script. Yeah, yeah, that we have a we have a problem my, with. So yeah, but I, I still think that Kate Winslet. I think for me that she's a more complex character, and uh, I guess it, I I think that she deserves the win here. I think that uh, yeah. Maybe, I, I mean, I've been upfront about this. This is like one of this is one of my favorite movies ever, and the right. fact that it's like it got. Yeah, one acting nomination when the acting is just so strong throughout is yeah shocking. Even, yeah, me. even even I mean we we don't talk about it a whole lot, but like you know, and, and uh, I guess we'll get to this category when we get there. So I won't even mention it now. But yeah, I guess Kate Winslet is is my pick to to win that that category. Yeah. Okay. So we'll we'll, we'll put Kate Winslet in there. Um, do we want to talk about anybody for best supporting actor or actress? That's what I was gonna say. The, yeah. the ensemble is you know those. Tom Wilkinson, Elijah Wood, Mark Ruffalo, Kirsten Dunst. The Kirsten them, Dunst, I think, needs a reevaluation. I, I, I think the four of them together as like a little, like a, like a, yeah. this, this, the side character, like the side story, yeah. like they all do a really good job in what they, they do. But I think, I think Kirsten Dunst, if I was going to pick one of them, 
I would say it'd be Kirsten Dunst because she like she goes from that like kind of bubbly like oh I'm I've got a, I'm a girl with a crush to like just devastated. She breaks the whole fucking story open too. She does. She does. Uh, yeah. And, and I think we need to to look at her more as like I think she's dismissed as kind of like a an actress this... of not of substance, but she's like Hell, she's, I, I she's like really Jum- good. I like yeah. her in Jumanji for God's sake. Yeah, she's she's like she's a great child actress. She she's I mean she has Drop Dead Gorgeous, which is more of a comedy. She's I, she has those like bring it on, bring it on. I think kind of like doomed her career, almost. Isn't she? Doesn't she because play that's like, how she, she's on timepieces too. Doesn't she play the queen? Queen something? She does. Yes, something like yeah, that. yeah. She's Marie Antoinette. Marie Antoinette. A, yeah. So yeah. I mean, she's, she got range. Yeah, yeah. No, I think, and I think two things happened to her where, you know, other than just being like a woman of a certain age in Hollywood, and they just you know fucking toss her out. I think like she had. She didn't bring it on, which I don't think is great. And they kind of like, she's like, oh, she's a teen actress. That's who she is. And then she started dating Tobey Maguire while they were filming the first Spider-Man together. And, that, and then she became kind of like a tabloid figure right. before she became an actress. But she's like, she was in the second season of the Fargo TV show. And she's fucking incredible in that. Mm. She knocks it out of the park. So I, I wonder, well, let's, I would say just just from not even hearing them yet, I would I would agree with you or the reevaluation. Like I would say Kirsten Dunst maybe should be nominated for a best supporting actress. Whereas I feel like Mark Ruffalo, Elijah Wood, and Tom Wilkinson, I probably wouldn't nominate any of those guys. Yeah, because they don't have the they either don't have enough meat to their part as far as like time. Yeah, I like Mark Ruffalo a lot, but he's he's sort I mean he's, his, his character is a little yeah, his character's a little one note at times. I yeah, feel like. his moment when you know, his last scene in the movie, when he's telling Kirsten Dunst that, you know, I don't know, I didn't, I didn't know, but you know, I suspected. Right. Yeah, that's a, such a great scene. Yeah. And he's a great actor, but I don't know if there's enough of him in this movie. To, yeah, I agree. To, to, but let's talk about best supporting actress then. So, old friend of the show, Galadriel herself, Kate Blanchett for The Aviator, as Catherine oh. Hepburn. Uh, other nominees are Laura Linney, who's always great in Kinsey, and that's that's a really good performance. Virginia Madsen in Sideways, another good one. Sophie uh, Okanedo, I'm going to say. I apologize if I butchered that name. And in Hotel Rwanda, and Natalie Portman in Closer. So, seems like it might be kind of tough. It's a good year. It's a good year. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, this this is purely based on if I just see those other movies. Because if Kirsten Dunst is nominated, she's not winning. Because yeah. Kate Blanchett just yeah. absolutely knocked it, that out of the park. Yeah, and and the fact that, I mean, this obviously this year, like, look, two of the fucking four acting categories were won by people playing real people. So obviously the the that's what the the Academy was in the mood for this year. Right. So I might make the case that now I don't know if I can do it. I would, I would say if I was going to knock. Somebody out, it would be Natalie Portman. That's what I was thinking too. But again, I haven't seen her performance, so it's hard. She's good. She's good, but it's I don't I don't know. I it's close. I I'm gonna keep it as is. I okay. although okay. like yeah, shout out Kirsten Dunst. I feel like underrated. Yeah. So sure. that's the major Oscar categories. 
Uh, the only other one I would say that I was surprised that it didn't get a nomination was editing. Because I feel like the editing in this movie is like excellent. But is this 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 is does win win doesn't doesn't win like um, it wins best it best wins best screenplay, screenplay best original yeah. screenplay that, okay, which is well deserved because this is yeah. that the screenplay is great right but but the editing I you know just the the parts where you know Jim Carrey's holding the chopsticks and then he's in a totally different scene holding the chopsticks and he's just going through these memories and right right just editing I I feel like that should be in there. The Aviator wins that one. Thelma Schoon, Schoonmaker, not going to argue too much with that. Other nominees, Collateral, Finding Neverland, Million Dollar Baby, and Ray. You know, I think we've mm-hmm. kind of made our thoughts clear on Million Dollar Baby, so right. um, leave it at that. But now comes the most important part of the podcast. Oh, boy. And that is when I throw... 30 seconds on an actual stopwatch like a normal person like a normal average everyday guy who has a stopwatch and derek explains to us why eternal sunshine of the spotless mind is the greatest movie of all time derek how are you feeling about this oh who knows let's you're just gonna open your mouth and whatever comes out comes out whatever whatever comes out of my vocal cords all right three two one go one go ready three two one go the brain is the most important part of the body, in my opinion. Well, besides the heart, let's just the brain. The brain's very strong, and you know this movie does a great job of trying to make you understand how the brain may work, uh, the scattered thoughts in our life. Uh, I think this movie is, is tremendous because it shows you different fragments of somebody's relationship, different parts that are great, different parts that are not so great, and it just brings it all together beautifully. I think this is a great, great, great movie. Because that is that time. All right. Yeah. So that was our episode on Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. We hope you enjoyed it. Find us on social media. And yeah, I think uh, I think we would really love to hear from you on this one. So let us know and and get in touch with us. Yes. But and we're gonna ramp up those Instagram. Uh, uh, the Instagram as well. So check that out. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Rick and, at Rick and Rec. At Rick and Rec. That's at R-I-C-K-A-N-D-R-E-K. Rick and Rec. So that was this week. And next week we continue our slide into misery. <laughs> and, we just keep going to, further down. We just, yep. And, and we are going to talk about her which is the, the Rex pick of this uh, Valentine's Day month. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, a little melancholy, but wor- yeah, wor- so worth, worth, worth the watch. Continuing with that theme, also, we have a spinoff show. Yes, we do. Uh, this is the, uh, the, the, what I call the sister show, and it's, it's based on this show. It's called the greatest album of all time podcast. I'm using the same sort of format. I'm changing up a couple of things here and there, but uh, it, it, my co-host is my wife, Gia Smith. And we talk about some of the greatest albums of all time and we take a listen to it and we just kind of discuss it and go through different categories. It's, it's a lot of fun. If you, if you're a music fan, check it out. It's like I said, it's, it's in a very similar format and uh, it's for, for those music fans. Yeah. So, check yeah. it out. Check it out. It's a, it's a fun listen. If you like this show, you will like that one. So for now, 
I have been your co-host, Rick Barrasso. And I have been your co-host, Stone Cold Rex Smith. It didn't work. It didn't, it didn't work at it all. Didn't hit, while didn't while didn't I land. said it, while I said it, I was like, this is wrong. It is. It is. It was. You should be ashamed of yourself. Anyway. I'm not ashamed, but I know it was wrong. <laughs> anyway, keep watching, everybody. See you.